This podcast is made possible by the generosity of listeners like you. Kindly consider a contribution through Patreon or PayPal. Links are in the details box. Patreon is a monthly subscription that you can cancel anytime. And PayPal is a one-time donation. Any amount is appreciated. And follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The handle, The Beirut Banyan. And you can find us on our YouTube channel with the same name. And you can start watching the episodes as they're released. Thank you for listening. And thank you for watching. I'm Rani Shatah. And this is The Beirut Banyan. I'm going to start by saying thank you for staying up past 10 p.m. in Beirut. You should be asleep or at best just surfing Instagram, Twitter, whatever. I guess TikTok is the new thing. Instead, you're stuck with me talking about heavy things. And what a way to go to bed, right? Dealing with the existential problems of Lebanon. Um, I literally reached out to you 24 hours ago about a particular Mm -hmm. issue I want to get to the bottom of. And it's the old way of power sharing, the sectarian structure that we both know a bit too well. And I'd love to play devil's advocate when appropriate. And there's also another issue that I... No, it's it's my pleasure. Mm -hmm. And and there's another subject that I know very little about and I'm hoping to gauge your mind on. And that's, uh, it's really, I guess, communities beyond the traditional power sharing structure we're familiar with. And that could be... Mm -hmm you know, discriminated groups that can be many different types of communities that just don't fall under the the traditional power sharing structure. And in this case, it's the LGBTQ community, in particular during the protest movement. Something I'm I'm interested in, and I know that you helped contribute to, and there's a paper I'd like to explore. Mona, let me just start by asking you, the hyperinflation that we're getting used to, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. the, Mm -hmm. uh, these sort of very stark images of not just lines for bread, not just dark streets at night, but literal pain. Suicides last week, uh, Mm -hmm. hospitals unable to deliver surgeries, many things that are reaching a tipping point. I'm not in Beirut, I'm watching this from afar, but I'm curious your own, maybe your own immediate life right now, given all that's happening. Has it changed much? Is there anything that's impacting you personally? Just maybe your own reaction to that. You know, ever since the revolution, actually, I have felt anxiety, uh, to say the least, over my future here and the future Mm. of people who are like me. Um, Not necessarily like me, but just people my age. during corona and especially during the hyperinflation um period um i'm trying i i i'm working i work so i'm not as affected right but that doesn't really i i do live in in a bubble because i work uh I, i still you know eat out and everything but this doesn't really give this is this isn't really an excuse for me to say that oh no lebanon is fine and like we will get over it soon um it's very hard for me to to live properly and normally um because in the back of my head uh all i see my eyes are only exposed to you know people on the streets homeless people even in hamra now there's like homeless people living and like sleeping on on the streets and so it hasn't been the best um, time living here, uh, especially for somebody who um, I'd say I'd say I, I care a lot for for my society, and just seeing it fall apart like this is a bit. Um, it's not the best thing uh, to to feel, and it's not the best thing to see. But uh, you know. Um, if I can help one person, then I'm I'm content, you know. I think diplomacy might be your your trade because that's probably the most 
well-packaged display of how <laughs> how bad things are and you're able to kind of caress it a bit which is which i think is good yeah and i i'm glad that you kind of you mentioned that your life your individual life seems to be okay yeah. given how bad things are yeah but but in terms of work are you still a are you still able mm -hmm. to rely on a regular income or incomes being delayed and just in terms of inflation i mean just the I guess the mechanism of trying to go to work and working, I'm assuming, for, for income. Uh, the routine of going to work is a bit absurd to me. <laughs> it was absurd to me. <laughs> it was absurd to me during uh, the revolution days. I used to, um, it was absurd because um, like things were falling apart, but like I had to think of the project that I was working on and I had to think of my studies. And so I was living um, a, a double life. Um, if, if I if I may say, but like in terms of income, uh, no, and I can rely on my income in a, in a stable way. Like I'm not affected, um, but um, and this does create a sort of of, of guilt, if I'm if mm. I can say, mm. uh, like I am so aware of. The fact that I'm privileged, uh, it kind of it kind of creates this feeling of guilt that oh I'm not as anxious as somebody who's my age who has the same potential who has the same capabilities who has maybe who should have had the same opportunities as me. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, um, I can feel the inequality and I can feel the. Um, just the state of unfairness, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. And so it's not the best feeling. Yeah, it's not the best feeling. You know, before we started recording, you asked me a very simple question. It's like, how are you doing? Or something to that effect. And I, I yeah. didn't want to even acknowledge any inconvenience, given, I think, what you're saying, which is it's relative. And uh, yeah, I think a lot of us are just sort of being, are, are, are cautious, maybe. And and, mm -hmm. I, and I gla I'm Cautious, glad you yeah. also you acknowledged that uh, that in a way you and I I think I got this right that you may not be around much longer anyway despite what's happening that your intention is to to leave is is that part of it that you see kind of um, you see there's an exit in a sense that you're not going to be sticking around much longer that in a way you can kind of avoid the the maybe the more more pain that's to come. I do think about leaving every day, to be honest. <laughs> okay, so uh, it's, it's worse than I expected. I'm being very honest. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. But um, I, I do I do acknowledge that it's hard to leave. Um, for, um, and this is uh, due to the other obstacles that I face as a Lebanese trying to leave, um, not just for studies, but just to leave in general permanently. Yeah. yeah. It is hard to leave it, um, in terms of paperwork and also like now with the banks not giving us our money uh, abroad. So like leaving abroad right now is difficult. Yeah. Uh, I would rather stay here with my family, with my friends. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was talking about this with a friend and she was like, would you, would you leave your friends and family behind if you had the opportunity right now to, to leave? And I thought about it twice, and I was like, Self selfishly, I would leave, but that would make me a selfish person, and I don't think I want that. Uh, so I was like, no, I, I would rather stay, but eventually um, leaving for a while maybe is, is it's healthy, and it's, yeah, and it's like, why not, if yeah. that makes sense. No, of um, course. Yeah. The reason I'm asking you these fairly personal questions, which I don't usually ask, I just wanted to explore a sort of younger generation's immediate concerns and and somebody that, in a way, I, I can relate to, that I felt the same way before in different mm -hmm. chapters of recent history. You know, you mm -hmm. what you're going through right now reminds me of decisions mm -hmm. I had to make during the 2006 war. That it's right, and I know that this is not a violent episode per se. I know that there's no bombs falling, mm -hmm. there's no sort of right. uh, there are no fighter jets, and there's no siege, and, and I, I so it's a very different context. But that mm -hmm. kind of 
there's a breakdown and the airport was closed and then it reopened mm -hmm. and and many mm -hmm. people sort of tried to leave during the war and those that couldn't many left after after the uh, the fighting ended and it kind of just harkens back to that challenge of sticking around trying to help and be close maybe to loved ones but but more than that sort of seeing something that you need to it's like a, almost like a, a commitment to where you're from yeah or unable to deliver and therefore search for work abroad or search for life exactly. abroad and you know what i i it's it i ended up going back and forth so many times that i never found the answer and then maybe there is no answer at the end of the day but I'm I'm pushing on this issue because I'm I'm curious about it's really what you've been writing in these LSE blogs and this is how I discovered you. Yeah. And there's one blog post it's it's a little dated it's from October 2019 mm -hmm. but I think mm -hmm. it's dated only in terms of how many months have passed. So that's sort of the core of the problem. What is taking you abroad and what took me abroad and yeah in a sense, what took my parents abroad and what took generations abroad. Now, mm -hmm. so it's, it's a big subject. I'm just going to introduce the, mm -hmm. the blog post. It's Breaking the Sectarian Chains, Lebanon Revolts Against Its Corrupt Leaders. And it's a blog post you, you co-wrote. And I'm just going to read one sort of section of it and make, we can kind of uh, dissect it. And this is the part where you yeah. can start screaming at me and punching and sort of, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get the knife out and say, where do you live? <laughs> it's like, ah, I'm not there. So I'll just introduce the, the main theme of, of the post. So despite the catalyst moment, referring to the protests that have been ongoing, structured obstacles should be highlighted. The ossified regime, reliant as it is upon sectarianism, is deeply embedded in the Lebanese political system. Its practices reproduce sectarian identities. So this is just an introduction. Yes. I want to challenge, no, I'm going to start using a different word. I'm going to gauge your mind first. The word sectarianism, Yes, I think automatically, and you probably see that it's probably see it the same way. It's, mm -hmm. it's a pejorative word that there's almost like a, it's hard to see any comfort in that word sectarianism. Mm -hmm. So just mm -hmm. if you could maybe offer just a, a brief description of what sectarianism means to you in the Lebanese context. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just curious. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm not, I, I know that word is something negative. Right. And, and I want to know what, it, what exactly it means to you. Yeah. yeah. A lot of scholars um, link uh, sectarianism to identity, but sectarianism is beyond uh, identity. It's related to, um, to politics. It's related to economics. It's related to culture. And by culture, I mean... Um, who do we include in the system? Who do we exclude from the system? Mm. And here comes the, you know, the famous uh, uh, let's divide uh, the parliamentary seats between Christians and Muslims. Let's divide yeah. uh, public administrations between Christians and Muslims. And this for me is very simplistic uh, because it reduces, it categorizes and reduces society into two um, to, uh, I'd say, fields or categories, mm, mm. Um, which is not accurate. Um, our society is not just based on sects. It's more than that. Uh, it's based on, you know, people with, with um, certain behavior, social classes, economic classes, uh, gender. Uh, it's, it's much more diverse than that. So for me, um, this, the, the system... And its acknowledgement to only sects is an issue because it undermines so many problems we have. Uh, because um, its raison d'etre is to protect the sects, protect the communities, mm -hmm. protect um, the leaders even, and disregard all the structural problems we are currently facing as a society. Um, whether it's employment, whether it's uh, environmental problems, any kinds of problems that are not related to uh, me being affiliated to a, a certain community yeah. or a certain sect. Right. So this this is what I mean by um, 
you know, structural obstacles. You know, and I, I'm glad I'm, I'm asking this because I'll give one one recent example. Uh, the Ministry of Energy and Water, the you know the very fancy title for Qatar, Lebanon, and and Co. Yeah, that that <laughs> that they released sort of, um, or I don't know if they released it. Maybe it was released by a newspaper. I don't remember the exact source, but it's a listing of the board members that were nominated recently. I think this was shared yesterday, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And uh, it's sort of uh, this classic Maronite Orthodox Druze Sunni Shia, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And, and so, like, I was very angry when I when I read that. By the way, right? Yeah. And I, I'm assuming you were angry because not because it's divided equally, <laughs> but but you're, yeah, no. yeah, that's got, right. So it's it's that it, it, the the system that we live in discourages merit based uh, employment or all the above. But but so I, that's all an obvious sort of. Um, that's an obvious issue but that said that right. said is sectarianism or the power sharing mm -hmm. structure the issue that's preventing decent appointments based on merit talk, based on merit is is it actually the power sharing that prevents it or is it a simple issue of the state has become so corrupt and so beyond reach in terms of public's ability to hold it to account that it's mm -hmm. that its behavior is similar to any corrupt regime's behavior that the, that the religious power sharing may not be the core issue and that's what i'm trying to delicately challenge the the okay. you know from from a sort of a humble yes. yeah i'm not yes, trying yes, to yes. yeah so is it power no, sharing no. in its essence that's pro that's leading to corruption or is corruption a byproduct of other issues and power sharing has kind of been thrown into the mix in terms of that's that's the problem right well um political sectarianism in lebanon is it originates from from different areas mm. right you have the historical uh, circumstances you have the system of governance which is associational democracy or power sharing system yeah. and you have the the main well not the main component but you also have colonialism which we don't necessarily acknowledge um, rarely do we um, because we're so blinded by the logic of our system right that we tend to forget that it's not an organic thing you know to think about uh, dividing seats between sects it's it's a product of, of colonialism and sorry just uh, to interrupt by colon when you say colonialism are you referring to the French mandate or is it something prior the to the French Yes, the French mandate uh, and even uh, uh, the um, the European intervention under the Ottoman Empire. Okay, so it's right really going back to yes. Mutasarrafi and that sort exactly. of era. Yeah, okay. Exactly. I mean, okay. sectarianism was insti institutionalized after um, the 1860 massacre that happened uh, in Mount Lebanon. It was institu institutionalized because the, the Europeans and the Ottoman Empire, they decided to create this council where um, every sect uh, was represented. Mm -hmm. And this is where um, the consensus uh, system started. Right. Um, right. So it's um, our, our system structurally is is not strong enough to maintain a power sharing system based off of religion or, or sects because well first of all because of its history it was mm. created uh, by the French and the French during during their time here they didn't really implement um, the right ways or they didn't really um, Trans transmit the right ways to, to actually do politics uh, so it's uh, it's very cultural um, they they instead of you know teaching us instead of you know trying to show us how they do democracy back home what they did is that they divided and they ruled along sectarian uh, sectarian lines so you have the historical component that uh, played a huge role because after the creation of Lebanon, you had the bourgeoisie, the political bourgeoisie and the economic bourgeoisie that played a big role in how they saw Lebanon, 
and how they took decisions based off of their mm. you know power power positions mm -hmm. and you also have the 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 associational theory which is based on elite governance so when when we talk about elite governance uh, we talk about a very inclusive governance which does not include society and it does not include um, the whole you know, the, the communities within within your society right um, so this uh, on top of just the the mere the mere, uh, the mere uh, action of not action but just like holding power there's something psychological about having so much power that some people take it for granted and they start to personalize it um, for, for me, the issue the issue in Lebanon is kinds of it's a mix of, of these three components. It's behavioral, mm. the, the elite, uh, the behavior of the elite, the agency, the agency of the state is embedded in a in a, in a, a very personalistic understanding of politics. Uh, you also have the theory, which is our system. Uh, yeah. which is uh, embedded in, oh, yeah, uh, this community cannot uh, interact with the other community because we're so deeply divided uh, that we we need to actually communicate uh, to our um, leader of community, which is, um, you know, the Zaim. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's the one who should be coordinating and cooperating with the other Zaim so that we can live in a very peaceful and stable settings. Uh, this is not sustainable. So, okay, I'm, I'm glad you actually, in a way, you've given me permission now to go explore mm -hmm. a bit of our history because you mm -hmm. correctly referenced things that are prior to the French mandate. You took us back to the 1860s, so now I can challenge you. Uh, there, yeah. There's a second point to, to the blog post. Mm -hmm. Clientelist relations are based on financial dependency which restrains people from mobilizing mm -hmm. against those who provide for them and fear mm -hmm. of being cut off from access to resources and services. Through these waves of protests, the people of Lebanon have finally proved their detachment from a corrupt sectarian elite that has been occupying state institutions and initiating policies that benefit their own interests since 1989. So there's, there's two things here. Is it an issue in terms of the structure itself, going back to the right. French, yeah? Or is there a is there a marker which you in a way you hint at that it's the end of the civil war and mm -hmm. post nineteen eighty nine this sort of post war very dysfunctional thing that we live with and and also that the access to resources and services I'm just curious about the the shinier years of modern Lebanese history those are far better years in terms of the public's relationship and maybe the state's responsibilities that things worked to a point and they don't work after 1989 but it's more or less more or less the same type of government it's not the exact same one but it's uh, it's one that's reliant on on the structure that you that you describe so i'm, I'm curious about that like why is post-1989 so fundamentally different than the late 1940s early 1950s i wouldn't that the uh, the years before or prior to the civil war they were better mm. um, I mean there were a lot of I wouldn't say a lot but there were socioeconomic inequalities it uh, the the system was based on a, a certain uh, social class um, you know the the system functioned on uh, the economic bourgeoisie um, you know, it was not a coincidence that our economic sector was only based on tourism and banking. It's actually because, mm -hmm. you know, the, the economic elite, <laughs> they worked in banking and, and tourism. Um, so, and the, the fact that, you know, the agricultural sector, the industrial sector, they were not developed during that time. It says a lot really about um, their own interest um, and wanting to gain more and wanting to, uh, appropriate and um, you know s state services basically mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and 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 a way to uh, and, and a way to hold and, and a way to maintain their their power it was 
through you know um, communal uh, loyalty where I, I will give you this if you vote for me or this right. I think yeah. this is a pattern this yeah. is a historical pattern uh, we're famous for so I wouldn't necessarily say that uh, the years prior to, to the Civil War, they were better. I feel like they were the same, and they led to the Civil War. Um, from a socioeconomic uh, point of view, um, the, the country wasn't working or wasn't as uh, exclusive as it should uh, have been mm -hmm. uh, because its, uh, uh, its economy was based on, um, you know, on a certain, a very small social class. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I answered your no, question. You, no, no, you, you did, but I'm... I'm okay. Uh, okay, so avoiding the violence of the Civil War, avoiding mm -hmm. the, and even, you know what, even though it may be a, a point to reflect on, but let's say ignoring the, the history that happened those 15 years and focusing only on, on the, the structure itself. And right. the, f the fact that two things happened, the structure survived. Right. And the structure seems to be at odds with enough people today that there is a continuous protest movement that we're seeing on the streets. So that the structure is in desperate need of something, whether it's reform mm. or sort of overhaul altogether. So that's clear that there's a the relationship is, is so toxic today that mm. people do not look at this model as a shining example. On the contrary, mm. they, they'd rather either fundamentally fix it or, or alter it altogether. So that's mm. clear. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just curious about whether or not the inherent consociational, confessional thing that Lebanon held on to, and you pointed at it earlier, the sort of consensus-driven, it still is, even today, that kind of... Um, a very slow, lethargic way of getting anything addressed. Mm -hmm. That, If that is the source of corruption, and if we were to overhaul this thing, and let's say we ushered in something that a lot of us probably find far more appealing, that mm -hmm. we'd still have the same corrupt people showing up, that the corruption may not be dismantled because sectarianism is dismantled that we could also mm. end up with a very bad secular form of governance. And then you right. sort of, I mean, and I know in every country is a different sort of story, but the neighborhood mm. doesn't offer much comfort in terms of its experiences with secular governance, that it's right. kind of gone through a very difficult chapter. It's not Ottoman, it's very 20th century and very brutal. Mm. And I mm -hmm. mean, and I, and I, wouldn't, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't blame secularism on those regimes' uh, mm. relationship and abuse towards their populations. Mm -hmm. That's that. I guess that's what I'm curious about is, is it really the type of governance or is it other things that have made our outdated model so toxic? Um, I, I also think it, it's, it's related somehow because, you know, Corruption is a product of a structure, right? And that structure is a product of uh, power dynamics. Um, that power dynamics was established, as, a, as we discussed earlier, um, mm. through colonialism uh, and through uh, elite bourgeoisie dynamics. Um, so secularism is obviously not going to be the answer to our problems. Okay, um, yeah. Yeah, no, no, it it won't. Mm. Um, but this is, but we shouldn't exclude uh, the idea of secularism, and this is another topic. But what what I'm trying to say is that it's not sectarianism as um, sectarian when you, because also when we talk about sectarianism, sectarianism is is a product is also the product of associational democracy, mm -hmm. because in order to keep. Uh, uh, intact the the consociationalism um, that is the nature of our system one and the state needs to um, you know it needs to portray itself uh, in, a, in a sectarian way because consociational democracy it functions on 
a an understanding that puts forward one aspect of of identity quote unquote right which right. is right yeah so instead instead of promoting let's say class struggles or instead of like saying oh yeah, okay so we're gonna divide the seats between two poor and two rich people they're gonna be they're gonna say uh, no, uh, this seat is going to be for a Christian. And in order to mobilize the people, um, in order to make them, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, to make them uh, feel like I'm a part of this system, sectarianism comes uh, in handy because it mobilizes yeah. feelings, it mobilizes self-perception, it mobilizes how... Uh, not mobilizes, but it, like it defines self-perception and, and it also defines the way I see the other. Mm. And this is a very big problem in, in, in our society. It's, it's the way we see ourselves as quote-unquote citizens of Lebanon mm -hmm. and it's the way we see others. And so corruption, corruption per se is, is deeper than just the system or the type of system that we might adopt. Because as as we both agreed on, secularism yeah. is not going to solve the problem. Right. It's it's, um, it's it's just the logic of, of how state society relations are structured. They're not structured on a on a well defined a procedure that's impersonal. Um, that's you know um, um, not that's not linked to uh, power dynamics or. And that's fair and, and equal. No, it's based on who's more loyal to the regime, who's more loyal to the sectarian discourse, who's more who's more uh, loyal uh, to the idea of um, of you know being as embedded in the system as one can can be. No, I and I you know many conversations I've had that touch on this in different ways. I, I'm. I'm. It's. I fully agree that it's, it can't be just secularism versus sectarianism that would lead to fundamental change. That it goes beyond that. So I'm, I'm glad you pointed out that there are other issues, and 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 also that, that it's a it's it's almost entertaining thought that a quota system based on economic class that's so like unthinkable. But then, right. yeah, it should be as thinkable or as absurd as a confessional quota system. That, exactly. Yeah, and I'm glad that you point out that it's it's a it's a system that focuses on certain identification markers of minorities, but it's not every minority, and it's not maybe the healthiest way of identification. Mm -hmm. So no, that's a good way of. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, you win. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <you win. laughs> Just have a little like uh, emoticon, like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, and and it's good. I mean, because I'm going to consider you an academic here, somebody who's studying this subject and and wants to pursue this uh, in in different ways. That that it's it's nice to also have that bridge between that stuffy academic uh, approach and then and then literally the youth's uh, discontent with the current model, and I think that's. Mm -hmm also implies in, at the end of the day that reform is needed, revolution aside, ambitions aside, and, and whatever, desires aside, it's time that this model is reformed. And in a way, this is kind of a nice, it's a nice segue to the other piece that I wanted to touch on, which is the, mm -hmm. and I hope I say this right, Friedrich Ebert Stiftung, or Stiftung, Stiftung. I, I just know. say F-E-S, honestly. F-E-S. <laughs> <laughs> that German NGO that's always been around. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And it, in a way, it, it touches on two things. It touches on groups that don't fit in to the model. Yeah. yeah. And also maybe the, the, the positives of the protest movement and perhaps also the persisting challenges that any protest movement can't solve, that this is so embedded and so deep in Lebanese mm -hmm. society. So I'm gonna get your opinion on this. I'll just introduce the, uh, the, the piece. It's, it's Between Pandemics and Social Violence in Lebanon. And I think the working title is Queers in Quarantine. 
So in terms of enunciation, I mean, I'm a fan of enunciation. You found it. Queers in quarantine. The only like I, I, need, I need to give I need to give credits to Zena uh, for this. Actually, she came she up with it? the title. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she did. talk about she's the creative one. That, I, I, <laughs> I mean, the subject aside, a good title. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure she, uh, I hope she hears this conversation so she'll, uh, she'll get acknowledgement for the title. Yes, yes. I'll like to, I'd like to assume it's just the title that she did. You did everything else. No. But no, no, that's not true. Okay, so I'll just, one, one particular point and I'll, I'll read it out loud. Lebanon's political system of governance, consociational mm -hmm. democracy, is embedded entirely in a corporate understanding that fixes, predetermines, and defines practices and orders exclusively through confessionalism. Therefore, in such a power-sharing equation, the classification of fixed sect-based identities consequently emits multiple non-sect-based minorities, such as sexual minorities. And sectarian mm -hmm. subjects don't have individual rights, as the state guarantees and only maintains communal rights, especially since it governs personal relations by, by different personal status laws. Is this the core of the issue in any group's relationship to the Lebanese model, that it's ignoring the individual, that it's focusing on the group? So is that the main problem here, that individual rights are not appreciated the way maybe you would want them and, and they are handled in different cases? Or is it, is it something more than that? The problem is both on an institutional and social level, at least the way I see it. Um, so institutionally, um, there there is an an absence of uh, diversity, um, which is pretty ironic because uh, the, our state promotes diversity and it promotes that it includes everyone, but mm -hmm, it doesn't mm -hmm. really include uh, the whole the whole society, whether it's sexual minorities or women, right? Even right, yeah, right, or, or like any other types of. Um, communities that might exist within Lebanon. Um, and this affects um, the way they produce policies, it affects the way um, they deal with, with communities and they deal with society. And we also have the, the social the social component, which is uh, we as a society, we because, because sectarianism is very much embedded um, in, our, uh, in our space, whether it's, you know, the way we, we move around, whether, yeah. you know, it's uh, going to a certain place or like trying to take this road or this street or just our basic, you know, social communication is, uh, um, it's hard for us to include or it's hard for us to uh, think and acknowledge that there are other people who are, they might be Muslim, they might be Christian, but they're more than just, you know, Muslim and Christian. Yeah. Um, and that they would like to live accordingly and not just, you know, um, under the label that is imposed on us by the state. Yeah. Um, so the problem is, is structural, it's institutionally, uh, embedded and it's also socially embedded. Okay, well let's uh, let's let's kind of I'm going to try to link them up together. I'm going to start with the structure. And uh, mm -hmm. there's another quote to the piece: "Bodies whose existence threatened this system are then naturally reduced to a taboo subject mm -hmm. by sectarian, political, and religious leaders who use Arab and religious normative culture to justify gender oppression." In that sentence, it's there are three things lining up, and I think that's the whole—it's the whole operating system of Lebanon. It's the confessional power-sharing entity. It's mm -hmm. the power, if you will, the authority of of certain individuals and certain groups within the country, political mm -hmm. power, and then it's the religious institutions. All three working against by default maybe not even willingly it's almost like a it's a default position uh at at not allowing that kind of expression am i getting this right that even that in its in its essence a a sectarian system by default 
should be able to tolerate this kind of expression, but mm -hmm. it doesn't mm -hmm. because it cannot cope with groups that exist beyond the structure itself. Mm -hmm. Is that okay? So I got that right. Okay. Yeah. So there's no hope in that case for real, true expression in the Lebanese model. Mm -mm. Okay. So no. that's stumbling blocks to the regime. Yeah. What then? Let's go to the society. Right. Is there an eagerness, or from your from your sort of side, do you see an eagerness in terms of holding that authority to account and saying no, they deserve their rights? I think the state reflects society and vice versa mm. Uh, mm. when the state yeah when the state uh, comes and say and not it doesn't even say when it comes when it just disregards and ignores you know the livelihood of other minorities that are not necessarily sector related um it is a reflection of how our society is structured mm. um now to say that there aren't people who are holding the state accountable, uh, I'd be lying and I'd be disregarding the whole revolution that happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. uh, but uh, I think there, there's obviously um, people who um, are content with the, the system and with the identity that it promotes um, because they find comfort, they find security. Um, uh, and they they find uh, more importantly, yeah, security and security is a very big uh, component of our uh, support to the system. Yeah. And here, you know, political economy comes into comes into the scene and clientelism. Um, you know, it's it's a whole it's a whole uh, game of uh, manipulation and uh, you know. Um, providing informal uh, services uh, in order to secure this person or this family so that they can feel a sort of um, dependency or a sort of feeling of, of comfort that this leader is providing for me. Mm -hmm. um, so going back to your question, I, I think that um, it's, it's very interrelated and that um, the state is a depiction of our society and vice versa. Um, so, which makes it more structural. <laughs> but, right, but, uh, then, but then where does the pressure go exactly in that sense? Because if, if yeah. they're reflecting each other, right. is, there any, is there any maybe uh, credence to the argument that, you mentioned it later in the piece, that they are not visible, that they remain mm -hmm. kind of in the shadows? for a large right. part, that, right. that it's society itself that has to, in a way, change the way it looks at this group as much as the regime has to accommodate, that it's almost like a, a both have to happen for there to be structural change. Uh, I, I believe in that theory, like mm, I believe mm. in that logic, yeah. which maybe might not make sense to others, but for me it kind of makes sense because it's hard for me to envision the state taking the initiative yeah. to, you know, <laughs> represent to, to, you know, appoint women <laughs> right. or like, uh, yeah. Um, so unfortunately, it's hard for me to envision that. But mm -hmm. and this is where society comes comes into uh, has a big role yeah, in, yeah. In, in doing so. If, if society does not mobilize, because at the end of the day, uh, and it's, 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 it might be very simplistic, or maybe the way I'm putting it, it's the society that sustains the state. If you want to talk, like if you want to like simplify it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so if the state sees that um, there's a counter argument or counter discourse of, of what it promotes, then maybe it will start, uh, you know, doing something else or, or maybe it will start adopting a different uh, approach to other minorities um but yeah. that is also kind of ideal because um i mean they have lots of ways and tactics to you know get us on board with them uh, us as a society i mean um but also maybe my my perspective might be quite pessimistic and simplistic as well um, what do I know? But 
um, maybe that's just how I see it. No, but I'm glad. I mean, it's these are things that resonate. That society sustains the state, and that 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 actually that helps explain why this model hasn't been forced out. Right. And it, yeah. It, yeah, I mean, it, it is a lot more embedded, I think, than we appreciate. It's mm -hmm. not just a bunch of crooked people holding on to authority. It's it's far far deeper than that. Yeah. And uh, probably not for the. I mean, at at the cost of improving Lebanon it kind of keeps yeah. Lebanon stunted to a sense yeah you know I'm gonna wrap it up with the another quote from this uh, piece mm -hmm. and it's something that I saw on the streets of Beirut and mm -hmm. late last year mm -hmm. the October Revolution has allowed the LGBTQ community to organically reclaim some public space without right. having to worry about the consequent oppression they usually face for public existence Mm -hmm. And I'll just skim down a bit further. The revolution was viewed by many as the only chance to change the status quo as radically as possible. However, with lockdown restrictions that were imposed to keep everyone safe, much of the LGBTQ community retreated from the streets as they faced multi-layer difficulties that put both their safety and livelihood at risk. And then in between that, you point at the shift from the 2005 You Stink protests where it wasn't so accommodating for any type of disenfranchised group per se. It was accommodating to a point, and that by 2019, it's sort of welcoming refugees, uh, LGBTQ community, domestic workers. I mean, yep. sort of everyone that you would not see <laughs> visible, they became mm -hmm. the driving force. Mm -hmm. I'm getting two things from you, though, on that sort of that, that mm -hmm. segment, that... It's my, this might be the first time the public is pushing for reform. Right. And that's societal reform. That's not necessarily state reform. That the public right. is trying to change their perceptions of disenfranchised groups. And more recently, you've seen push for the kafala system to be thrown away altogether. Right. And then at the same time, there's not much reform happening right so i'm just gonna get your opinion on where you see things moving you have this push and it may not be far enough it may only be in its sort of starting phase but it's mm -hmm. there there's mm -hmm. something happening and then you have the the model the old model that is as as entrenched today as it was in october last year that it's 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 entrenched even with the blackouts. It's entrenched with hyperinflation. It's yeah. entrenched with everything that we see happening. Yeah. Uh, and it's still there. It hasn't been overthrown. Yeah. So I'm curious, is it, up to the, is it up to society to maybe push harder and then its relationship to the state will change and the state will change as a result? Does it start from mm -hmm. the bottom? Is it, is it a grassroots if you will, a grassroots revolution that takes time, mm -hmm. or should people expect more now? And maybe, in a way, the regime is fighting, and it, it may win at the end of the day. Just, just right. a, a curi I'm mm -hmm. curious your perspective on on what we're seeing in a way happening live on the streets. Right. Well, this is something I think about um, constantly. Um, funny enough, uh, and it's a dilemma that I face um do we uh, as people who want change do we um do we do we go or um do we cooperate with the state so that mm. we can change it or do we are we are we supposed to take a very radical uh position uh, against it mm. and try to uh, um protest and you know organize ourselves uh so that we can at one point overthrow it but again how do you overthrow it nobody knows um do we overthrow ourselves it, i mean this yeah <laughs> i don't know <laughs> so um it, it is something that i don't have a proper answer to but um the um the, the pro the protests that happened they kind of um they did put a lot of 
things into perspective, at mm -hmm. least because I did see that no um, society is not black and it's not either black or white. Yeah. Uh, state is not also black and white. Um, and the fact that, yes, people uh, on the streets, they were very welcoming, but, you know, they were in a in a certain um in a very revolutionary space we tend to forget about uh the normal or the i'd say your normal self i don't know if i'm if i'm making sense but what i'm trying to say is that it's it's very hard for me to see um even though I do believe in a bottom-up change, and I and I don't believe in any other way mm. of, of mm. change, I do believe in a bottom-up change. It is very hard for me to see it influencing state policies or the state um, in the Lebanese context. And it's a, it's very pessimistic of me to, to say to say so, but I'm just being honest here. I just I, I don't see it happening. Um, not because we're not good enough or not because there's not enough people on the streets or not because we don't deserve it. That's, that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that, um, the, the, the system, the, the state is, is so embedded. The state is, is, is so entrenched in, in, in how we think and, and how we, um, and how we live our lives. I mean, few are, few are the, are the people who are actually desectarianized are the people who actually um you know they step outside mm. for a minute and they look at the system yeah. from from an outside perspective and they're like oh it is pretty screwed sorry for <laughs> sorry for that um so um even the people who who did protest they were you know demanding things within the logic of the system you know? Right, right, exactly. Right? Yeah. So yeah, we want elections. We want early elections. We want a new government. But my, you're still thinking within the logic of the system. So what, 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 what are you trying to say? What are you trying to change? What are you trying to reform? Can I just interrupt you? Because I, I, I want to just add one more thing. Is this a social pact problem that the Lebanese are not ready to adopt a new relationship yet with the regime? I don't know if they're if they're not ready. I don't know if it's a matter of being ready or it's a matter of knowing. Mm, mm. Um, you know, a, a lot of people and I, and I see this uh, through my friends. They don't know. Uh, they're not very, curious enough. This is very interesting for me, and I, I apologize for keeping you longer than I than I promised. But this is something I'm, I'm really curious about. What what exactly do you mean by that? When they say they don't know, is it that they're reluctant to to look? at other models or is it that they're still in a way living through what our what our grandparents and great grandparents inherited which is this this communal power sharing that everyone still has this yeah. this anxiety um there is this anxiety yes but there's also this political immobilism mm. which mm. is a product of this power sharing system mm -hmm. Because um, it is very fixed and very predetermined that the youth, some of the youth and some of society, I'm not going to say all of uh, our society, but some, some of its, uh, its members, um, they, they don't feel like they are integrated enough to actually have a say. Um, they don't, and this is a, a personal observation again mm, that mm. might not be true to, to others, but the, my surroundings, at least, um, the way I see my friends, the way I see how they behave when I talk about politics, because this is <laughs> this is all I do when I'm around them. So, how, um, so do you still have friends? Or <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually, they they did they did mention that they were like. Why are we your friends again? Uh, which is sort of understandable. They, they don't have the answer to that either. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so uh, their disengagement slash their political culture mm. is, I would say, below, not below zero, but it's very average for somebody who should be engaged and who should at least know how to vote, know wh who they're voting for, uh, know what you know, the difference between a government and a parliament, like the basic things, I'm talking about the basic things. Um, this really shapes the 
the way uh, this the way the state uh, functions i mean this kind of helps the state maintain its power again because because you know the yeah. youth and because the people are not as interested to know more about how our system work because um they don't they're because they're not interested to know how change maybe might uh, be possible um this is taken advantage of by the people in power um yeah it's a very very strange dance between society's expectations and also society's um reluctance to exactly yeah exactly yes 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 for sure and i you know uh, you you mentioned many things that i vividly remember on the streets of beirut even the slogan is born out of it killon yani killon but even that i i don't mm. really know at the end of the day what exactly that translates to o mm. other than the figures that are visible should all be treated the same but in terms mm. of structural changes i don't think that slogan enters that it's yeah. not uh it's not overhaul it's more rein in rein in the 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 leaders that many of us know because we've grown up with them and they've been so visible only recently do they try to hide a bit out of maybe some fear but uh but it's not um it's not demanding more than that and maybe that's where the stumbling block is yeah and just a very i mean say as much as you'd like about this and your the way you study all of these things and the way you've seen history moving in recent months mm -hmm. are you hopeful that there will be something new emerging anytime soon or are you maybe to a degree pessimistic that maybe and you eloquently described that this is a society has to reform too and once that happens maybe then we can expect change but but shy of that there's no change on the horizon uh do i see any structural change i don't think so even though we are living in a crisis um and like anything can happen yeah in a crisis you yeah. know and a, and a lot of uh, talks like i'm hearing a lot of talks on like you know civil war and like a war and and whatnot and this reflects really also um our wouldn't say political analysis because that's very like um academic but um it 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 reflects the way we understand and the way we we perceive politics um right. because we we try to define our present we try to define our future by referencing what we have lived um mm -hmm. that's the only like that's our only option yeah. um do i see any change i do see change obviously but is it going to be a positive change or a negative change i i really don't know what i know is that the system is reproducing itself on a daily basis yeah <laughs> and uh, for it to be gone heke is going to be quite challenging and i don't know if it's realistic of uh if it's you know any if it's realistic at all you know yeah. hoping for a change of, of of governance or system but i i can be hopeful i guess but in, in in all honesty i am not pessimistic but i'm just like i don't have any particular say on 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 the future of the system just mm. because i strongly believe that it is still reproducing itself i mean um, yeah if anyone watching this from a place that has no a relationship to lebanon Mm -hmm. uh and then they see us right talking to each mm -hmm. other they're mm -hmm. going to think this is some finnish podcast or swedish uh exercise in history it's like these two <laughs> blonde uh <laughs> these <laughs> very white and blonde <laughs> yeah what are they talking about is it ireland or denmark <laughs> no 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 <laughs> middle east yeah we don't i don't i don't think we are maybe the most like immediate most faces right? yeah maybe we should call right, national yeah. geographic and take a screenshot of this and just say <laughs> the arab uh call, whatever lebanon protests it's like yeah. what 
<laughs> You're very kind with your time. You gave me more than an hour of your time. It's past 11, 11.15 in Beirut. I think you won the argument. The state needs... Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think you won. <laughs> and it, to be honest, I'm just... I like playing devil's advocate on this issue because I think it has to be explored. But you won, it, you won the argument in a way, I think, that touches on other issues, which is society right. is, is a major issue here. And it's mm -hmm. maybe it's not, being, it's not being addressed the way you need it to be addressed in order to achieve political change, that it's still at the beginning. But mm -hmm. if anything, it started. And it's definitely going to be our lifetime. We're going to I see, agree. yeah, that, that if, it, if it does change, it'll be in the years to come. Because something I fundamentally agree. shifted. In, in yeah. modern Lebanese I history. I totally agree, yeah. Thank you, and um, no, I really appreciate Thank this. You. Thanks for listening, and a friendly reminder to help support this podcast by contributing through Patreon or PayPal. All links are in the details box below. Until next time, I'm Rani Shatah, and this is the Beirut Banyan. <laughs>